We begin with the Mishnah. We're going to see four different Mishnayot today. A common theme is that when one makes a neder, he has in mind a colloquial, colloquial language, not the exact literal definition, but rather the way most people use a certain term. Also, another theme is that sometimes there are inclusive categories, and the larger category will include the smaller one, but not the other way around. So the Mishnah says, Someone who makes a vow not to have any benefit from seafarers, maybe had a bad experience on a cruise or something, says sailors that say, I don't want to have anything to do with them, he's still permitted to derive benefit from those who live on dry land. That makes sense. If he makes a vow, I don't want to have to have any benefit from those who live on dry land. Well, then he's prohibited not only from people who live on the land, but he's also prohibited from benefiting from seafarers because even seafarers are included within people that live on dry land, right? Even people that are sailors, even if they go out for months at a time, eventually they come back home and they live on land uh, for a significant amount of time. Uh, so therefore, this guy, I don't know why he's making this kind of vow. Maybe he wants to be, uh, um, you know, separated from everybody. He wants to be a, a monk and uh, uh, live alone. So he takes a vow against all those who live on dry land. But that means everyone. Now, when we say seafarers, this does not include people who simply commute from Akko to Yafo, but rather someone who actually goes and departs for long trips. Here's Akko, here's Yafo. If you wanted to get from one, one, one to the other, I mean, you could go over land, uh, but it's easier to just go on a boat. And the, bug, the boat basically hugs the coast. And so it's really not going deep into the sea. Uh, it's just going right along the coast. So that's not called seafaring. That person would be included in the people that um, live on dry land. Uh, the Gemara is going to ask this last clarification. Is it clarifying the use of Yodadayam in the first clause of the Mishnah or in the second clause? If it's in the first clause, it would be a leniency. If in the second clause, it would actually be, actually be a stringency. Here we go. Disagreed. Uh, one said that the last definition applies to the resha. One said it applies to the second clause here. Uh, uh, so it read as follows: Someone who makes a vow uh, that he won't have any benefit from those who are uh, who, who are seafarers is permitted to interact with those who live on the land, but those who are seafarers will be prohibited to him. Now, what's the definition of seafarers? This will not include those who uh, just simply travel in a short distance from Akotayaf or right along the coast. That's not called seafarers. Those people are still called people who dwell on dry land just because they go on a short ferry ride. doesn't make them sailors. Uh, rather, it only applies to those who depart out to sea on longer trips. That's the first opinion. Uh, but the other opinion says that clarification, that definition applies to the second case that says, 
someone who makes a vow uh, that he won't receive any benefit from those who live on dry land, he is prohibited from everyone, including those who are seafarers. And when we say that, don't think that that only means uh, those who go on short trips on the ferry ride from Akko to Yafo, because they're called uh, dry, dry land people and they're included in the um in the in that category and uh, you might think that maybe sailors that go for months at a time maybe they would not be included in this vow no not so even someone who goes out on long sea trips eventually he comes back to dry land and therefore if someone says i will not get any benefit benefit from those who live on dry land it includes not only those who go on short trips but it also includes those who sail on long trips good next mishnah someone says i will not have any benefit from those who see the sun. Well, then he was prohibited not only from people who can see and see the sun, but even from people who are blind, who can't see the sun. Why? What the person means by saying those who see the sun is those who the sun can see. He means those exposed to the sun. Okay, the Gemara will explain why he means that. If he really wanted to make himself prohibited to those who are sighted, as opposed to those who are blind, then he would have said, I am prohibited from those who can see. Um, so the fact that he said, I am prohibited from those who can see the sun, that's a different story. It's not about seeing versus blind. It's about those that are exposed to the sun, though anything that lives up on the land. What will that include? Exclude la ubarim. That will exclude fish and fetuses. Fish under the water. Um, if you go, you know, even just a few feet under the water, it's very dark. And fetuses that are not exposed to the sun. So uh, that's the that's what that phrase means. Rechama doesn't mean literally. Those who see the sun, it's a, uh, it's an idiom. That means anyone who is exposed to the sun. Next Mishnah. Someone makes a vow that I'm not going to have any, any benefit from those who have dark heads. Now, if we said this word today, we would assume it means people who have dark hair, black hair, dark brown hair. Um, but in uh, ancient times, this was an idiom, even in other languages, in Babylonian literature, this is an idiom to mean adult men, right? People with dark heads means adult men. Um, and so because it's a general idiom, that person would be prohibited even from bald people, even though bald people don't have dark hair, they, have, they don't have dark heads, and also people who are elderly and have white hair or gray hair, so even though they're not dark, it includes it includes those people because that's what the phrase means and that if that person who makes that vow is permitted to derive benefit from women and children because that's the idiom does not refer to women even though women can have dark hair and children can also have dark hair but that's that's not what it means that's just a colloquial strange word that means adult men 
All right. My ta'ama midelo ka'amad mi ba'ale se'ar. And so how do we know he means that? If a person really wanted to wanted to make himself prohibited from those with uh, hair or dark hair, he would have said mi ba'ale se'ar, someone who has hair. And then that would exclude someone who is bald. But he didn't say that. He uses used this more unusual phrase, which is a, um, a just a colloquialism. And he's permitted to a woman and um, and children to derive benefit from them, um, because the Mishnah already explained that this phrase only applies to adult men. My tama, and what's the reason for that? It's because adult men, sometimes they cover their hair, sometimes they don't cover their hair. And therefore, generally, you can see their hair, and, and usually most people have hair, and it's dark. And so they're called the dark-headed ones. You see, incidentally, that uh, in, the, in the reality, um, uh, men did not always cover their hair with a hat or a turban or anything. Sometimes they did, uh, sometimes they didn't. The uh, custom of wearing uh, kippah was not yet in force. Um, okay, aval nashim le'olam michsu, k'tanim le'olam miglu. But women, they always cover their hair. Okay, this is another uh, realia check that women uh, generally did always cover their hair. And so therefore, they would not be called dark-headed ones because uh, one rarely saw their heads and their hair. And uh, children always uncover their hair. Uh, they uh, That's interesting. They didn't, uh, you know, I guess more, more uh, when you're an adult, then you wear a hat, more distinguished, a turban. Been, but kids were uncovered, and so they would not be called dark-headed ones. Maybe he's talking about little kids that don't have a lot of hair yet. Um, so uh, since uh, that's just a phrase, it means uh, when one, one says dark-headed ones, it's just, it's not literal, but rather an idiom that means adult males. Okay, next Mishnah. Hanoder min ludim mutar banoladim. Min hanoladim asur min yiludim. Someone makes a vow that I'm not going to derive any any benefit from those that are born. Uh, that sounds like someone those who have been born. Um, so that person is permitted from a derive, permitted to derive benefit from those who will be born. Noladim sounds like it's talking about the future. We're going to see Gemara is going to say, not necessarily, actually, it's an ambiguous term, just means those are who are born, but um, but the way it's most of the time used is Yiludim is those who were already born, so then he's prohibited from those, but Noladim is the future, so anyone born after he says that vow, he can benefit from. Uh, but the opposite, if he says, I'm not going to benefit from all those who will be born, then he is prohibited. He's also prohibited from those who were already born. So you see already here that this phrase is, the word noladim is ambiguous. That's the opinion of Chachamim. However, Rabbi Meir matir af ba yiludim. Rabbi Meir permits also yiludim. The Gemara is going to deal with what this word also is doing here. Um, but we're basically, we're going to conclude that if a person says hanoladim, I'm prohibited from those who will be born, then according to, according to Chachamim, he's prohibited from everyone. And according to Rabbi Meir, he is permitted from those who were born. He means only the future and not the past. 
But why does it say af then? We'll discuss. Hachamim omerim lo nitkaven ze ela b'misha darko lehivaled. Hachamim say no. When you say no ladim, then what people mean is anyone whose nature is to be born. He doesn't mean specifically about the future, those who will be born. He means human beings or anything that is born um, as opposed to, we'll see in the Gemara, something that uh, comes from an egg. Okay. Now, according to Bimeir, if we take literally this word af, it sounds like Bimeir is saying, Bimeir is saying, also the yiludim are permitted and the noladim also. So that means if he says minha noladim, he's permitted to everyone, noladim and also yiludim. Well, then in that case, who is Yasuda from? What this vow makes has no effect. When he says, I'm going to not derive benefit from noladim, that doesn't make sense. You should prohibit someone. That has some meaning. So we explain. No, this is what he meant to say. Uh, in this case, I don't think you actually have to add words. You could explain it as such. That's the first clause. That's the same as what we have. Uh, someone who makes a vow uh, about those who were born is permitted to those who will be born. So yiludim is more specific. If you say... Um, those who will be born, asur bayiludim, then according to Tanakh, according to Chachamim, one is prohibited from the Noladim and also from the Yiludim because according to Chachamim, Noladim is a more expansive phrase. However, the Bimeir Omer, af hanodemina Noladim, mutar bayiludim, kiechi denoder bayiludim, mutar banoladim. Bimeir says the word af is not going on, on who is permitted, that everyone's permitted, but rather it's saying that the, this, uh, phrase is parallel to the first phrase. They're just the inverse of each other. So uh, he says also, one who says noladim means only the future, uh, people that will be born um, is, are prohibited, but those who were already born, that, those are mutad, just like the first clause, where someone who says aneded from yiludim, uh, those who were born, is permitted to those who will be born. So that's what the word af means. It just comes to give an equivalence between the first clause and the second clause, that both of them refer to one time period, but not the other. All right, so now we understand what Abhi Meir meant there. So now the papa asks Abaye, uh, according to what you just said here, uh, are you trying to tell me that the word noladim means those who will be born in the future? Right? That's the basic meaning. Because certainly the Bimeir said that. And even Chachamim uh, are, have to explain themselves that when one says noladim, he means all those whose nature is to be born. Even though literally it means noladim in the future. Right? You see how the Mishnah used it in the first clause. Mutarba noladim. Noladim means those to born in the future. Um, so the dictionary definition of noladim is about the future. Is that true, Rapapayas Abaye? Look at this pasuk. So Yaakov tells Yosef about your two sons, that noladim, that were born in the land of Egypt. But does that, that, does that also mean in the future that they will be born? That's not true. This is referring to Yosef's children, Menashe and Ephraim, who were already born a long time before he said this. Uh, and so here, Noladim clearly refers to the past, not the future. 
Uh, so what can you do with that? So Noladim means past, not future. Vela mai. So Nadigamana says, wait, so what do you want to say? That the word Noladim means the past? That doesn't work either. Here's another proof. And the time of David, there's a prediction that there will be born a someone to the house of David named Yoshiahu. King way in the future, right? Some uh, 300 years later. So over there, it says, uh, it says the word nolad, same as noladim. And are you telling me he was already born at the time of David? Yoshiah was born? That's simply not true. Even Menashe was not yet born. And that's, uh, that would, that's the grandfather of Yoshia. So certainly Yoshia, who was not born. Rather, the word nolad and noladim can mean future, it can mean past. Both are proper dictionary definitions. But when you're saying a neder, you use colloquial, colloquial language. And so the general usage of noladim means the future. And that's why, according to the Bimeir, it applies only to the future. Whereas, according to Chachamim, uh, when you say Noladim, just a plain like that, he probably means anyone who is born both future and past, anyone whose nature it is to be born. So we'll explain Chachamim. Chachamim Omerim, Lo nitkaven ze, ela mimishe darko lehivaled, lapuke mai, lapuke dagim beofot. Right, Noladim, according to Chachamim, means those whose nature is to be born, and this is going to exit exclude fish and birds who are not born, not, no, not a live birth, but rather are born from eggs. So that person who makes such a vow cannot have benefit from anything, any, any mammals, anything that's born uh, from a live mother, but he can still uh, eat eggs or um, derive benefit from birds.